0: Hi, everybody. It's Catherine here, and I am reading the essay from the Sunday Soothers newsletter a couple days early for you. Um, First, I wanted to invite you to join me in an event I'm holding on election night, Tuesday, November 3rd. (laughs) I couldn't do, I couldn't spend how I spent last election night. I can't do it again. Like, one, my body can't handle it, and two, it's just not what I want to do. And um, I thought maybe you felt the same way, and you wanted to spend your night in a more productive way. So I'm hosting a tarot and journaling workshop for self discovery. It's thirty dollars. Ten percent is going to um, a collective for BIPOC emotional mental health, and I think it'd just be a nice way, to, nice thing to do for yourself. You know, we don't have to be spinning out on election night. The outcome is out of our control. So why not come? You know, get a tarot deck and do some tarot with me. It's going to be awesome. So. With that, I'm going to go ahead and read this Sunday Soother's essay, Learned Helplessness, Learned Hopelessness. Happy Sunday, friends. Today, I want to talk about my past default operating mode and how I moved on from it. I use this word a lot in my work with coaching clients, despair mode. I see folks slip into this place so easily, a mode of freakout, of self-pity, of negativity, of spiraling out about worst-case scenarios, of what's-the-point-ism, of fear. For most of my 40 years, this was my default too. I was addicted to worst-case scenarios, of my own ability, my own inability to change anything in my life, to my victim narrative. What despair mode encouraged me to live in was two states, learned helplessness and learned hopelessness. The first, learned helplessness. Well, if you read my Princess in a Tower syndrome post from a few weeks back, you have an idea of what that looks like. I stayed stuck, using the excuse of not knowing how to do something perfectly to never do it. In psychological terms, learned helplessness is the concept you use to describe a state of not trying that, from what I understand, arose from an experiment done on animals In this kind of awful sounding experiment, the animals are given negative stimuli like a shock when they try to escape from their cage. After a time, they stop trying to escape completely, assuming that it's hopeless and they're unable to change the situation. Then, and this is the real kicker, even when an escape is presented, they're unable or unwilling to take advantage of it. Damn. Learned hopelessness to me is different. If learned helplessness is, I don't know how, and I'm scared to try, so I won't. Learned hopelessness is less, I don't know how, but more the attitude of, why bother? Nothing matters anyways. I think today we're suffering an extreme crisis of both learned helplessness and learned hopelessness. This particular combination is toxic, not only to our personal lives, but to the state of our country and the world at large. And it's ruining us all. We're so convinced of our own powerlessness, so committed to our own cynicism, so dedicated to our cloak of fear and our avoidance of shame, so enamored with our casual too cool to care and therefore too cool to be hurt attitude that we're literally living our lives inside the same cages that held those shocked animals in the experiments. But Better safe than sorry, right? As I grew out of my addiction to despair mode and my excuses of helplessness and hopelessness over the past few years, stretching towards something more capable and helpful, I focus on a few concepts that I've heard come up again lately and other resources I really enjoy that you might too. The first is the idea of commitment versus motivation. The second is discipline versus hopelessness. And the third is a resourcefulness versus resourcelessness. The first commitment versus motivation comes from a young black entrepreneur and business coach. I follow and learn a lot from DL Sharon on her Instagram and podcast. She talks a lot about being motivated versus being committed. According to her, motivation is something that comes and goes. It's great when we have it, but we can't wait around for it to drive us because sometimes it's not going to show up. Commitment, on the other hand, is something intrinsic to us. It's a promise to ourselves. It's the concept that we show up to do the thing we want to do, even on the days we're not motivated. DL often asks, are you motivated or are you committed? If you're the latter, then you're much less likely to fall prey to the external seductive promise of motivation, which only shows up when it wants to. Instead, you're deciding to show up for yourself. The second discipline versus hopelessness is a concept you may be familiar with by now. It's the wisdom of Maryam prison a prison abolitionist. She believes that hope is a discipline. Hope is something that can be practiced as a habit. Once again, our idea of via learned helplessness and hopelessness is that we wait around waiting for motivation or hope or an external factor to come to us. And then we do the things we want. You have to flip those concepts on their heads. You choose first to practice hope and commitment as disciplines that originate in you. You don't wait for permission via one of them deciding to show up for you one day. Finally, the third concept is one Kara Lowenthal, a podcast host and life coach, talked about recently. Resourcefulness versus resourcelessness. In a recent podcast episode of hers, she talks about this phenomenon that I get all the time too. People DMing me or emailing me to ask about something they could literally figure out on their own. She writes, we expect to have answers handed to us on a digital platter, but your brain is the most powerful problem solver there is. You have the world's most powerful computer in your skull, and some of you aren't using it. I can't tell you how often I get a DM asking me something that that someone could easily find on my website. What coaching school did you go to? Answer, the one listed on my website and mentioned in my podcasts. Do you have a podcast episode on jealousy? answer yes the podcast episode titled jealousy that can be found on my website and itunes and via google do you have any suggestions for how i can become a coach answer did i mention that google thing yet i can't tell you the questions i've also gotten along these same lines are you certified to coach and from where well it's on my website can you tell me how to start a newsletter well I've written endlessly about how to cultivate a creative practice all over the internet. I once had a woman email me asking me what my coaching rates were, not to see if she could afford my services, but because she wasn't sure what to charge for her own. And I guess she needed permission from somebody else to figure out what to ask for. Lonefell explained that by engaging in these kinds of behaviors, and I'm quoting her now, You are selling yourself short. You are shirking responsibility for your own life. You are training yourself to give up rather than figure shit out. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So if you don't take responsibility for figuring out something small, I can guarantee you won't take responsibility for figuring out something big. So if you see yourself in any of the above, you may be panically asking, well, what now? how do I move forward from these behaviors? And number one, you had to know I was going to say this, figure it out for yourself. You can do this. Read a book, Google a thing. Try something that feels weird and uncomfortable. Try the beneficial discomfort I talked about last week. Then rinse and repeat for the rest of your life. But you also know I'm all about the practical and actionable here at the Sunday Seether. So I have a little experiment and assignment for you. If you think you're stuck if you think you're stuck in learned helplessness and hopelessness and would like to find a step ladder on out of there. So here's your assignment. One, commit to finding a way to make an extra $200 this month. I don't know how that's up to you. Sell something, offer a service, work an extra shift. And those of you who have $200 lying around, not good enough. It has to be an extra $200 you make through your resourcefulness. Then donate $100 to a cause you care about. Then use $100 on something you want to learn more about. And it doesn't have to make sense. I want to take a birding course, like birds. Does it make any fucking sense to take a birding course right now? Not really, but I want to. And that's reason enough because I'm trusting my curiosity, my interests, and I'm telling them they deserve to have time and money spent on them just because I want to. Next, after you do your money assignment this month, commit to the next four weeks, not asking a single person's opinion or help for solving a problem. Unless it's like you need to repair your HVAC, then yes, please hire somebody, right? Use common sense here. But if the problem in your life, a decision you need to make, you do it. No one else, no endless asking dozens of friends and strangers on the internet, their opinions, just you, you alone, learning to trust your inner compass. So why these things? One, once you learn, you can make money outside of receiving it from an employer, you start to get real crafty and real in charge of your actions. This is the biggest thing entrepreneurship has given me, the belief I can shape my world. Trust me, if you have time to read this newsletter, you have time to figure out how to make $200. Two, you're learning that resourcefulness can translate into money, which translates into impact on how you want the world to be through your donations and your own interests, which validates your interests for yourself. Three, you're not asking anybody else's permission to do these things or spend money on these things. And we need practice in that. Four, you're cultivating the practice of listening to your inner voice. Five, you stop waiting around for permission or instructions from somebody else. Because that's what all despair, all learned hopelessness, all learned helplessness comes down to, waiting for permission. And here's a little secret. You don't need it from anybody other than yourself. So stand up, shake yourself off, push open the door that already has probably been unlocked a long time ago, only you just didn't want to let yourself see it. And walk on out the door. No, I don't know where the path leads either. But I'm willing to bet you can figure it out.